0: Okay. Welcome again to part two, if you will, of the Groovy podcast, season five, episode two, or overall, I guess the number must be like 82 or something like that. Uh, My name is Ken Cousin. I'm podcasting from Marlboro, Connecticut, and I am this time joined by...
1: Hi, I'm Sergio Del Amo, podcasting from uh, Guadalajara, Spain.
0: So did you say Guadalajara?
1: Yes, Guadalajara.
0: Yeah, we'll have to update the show notes because I, I put Spain, but I didn't know where inside it.
1: It's uh, uh, close to, to Madrid. Italy. I will I will submit a, a PR.
0: If you want. I mean, I can edit that easily enough, but uh, I, I'm glad you were able to join us. Uh, we are approximately... You said you're GMT plus one. Is that right?
1: Yeah. We are in the London time zone. We i not in the london time zone we are in the germany and mm. all europe time zone but we should be in the london time zone but because of i don't know what's the, the interest story but essentially we are if you think spain is always in the german time zone
0: yeah time zones are weird anyway i mean we're on daylight savings right now which i don't think the eu does anymore right
1: no no we do we do we oh. change okay.
0: like uh
1: around so- my birthday always like once uh around the end of October, we changed one hour and i forgot when we changed now uh-huh.
0: well fine. we are gmt minus four at the moment so that puts us five hours so it's your uh, you're five hours later than i am right now apparently yeah it's 5 p.m
1: uh-huh. here um uh-huh. so typically i work with people in san luis and they are like they jump between six and seven hours normally i think it is mm. Mm,
0: yeah. So, I mean, I know Central European time is GMT plus two. I see that a lot. Uh, but you're one from that. At any rate, nobody cares. Uh, let's let's talk <laughs> a bit more <laughs> about what we're actually supposed to be talking about, which is the, you know, the, the groovy stuff for episode 82 for our season five episode due here. So first of all, by the way, how are you doing? I haven't I haven't heard from you for a while. How are things at OCI?
1: Yeah, doing fine. Uh, things are fine at OCI. And um, so far, been everything
0: okay regarding COVID. In well, a personal what's level, your, what's your current position there now?
1: I am a principal software engineer there. And so I work on the so the title is principal software yeah. engineer, and I work on the, the microgrids department. I like to call it and team. Uh, yeah. mostly on Micron. Um, but yeah,
0: I mean, you know how job titles could be anything, anywhere. They're Absolutely, yeah, especially in, that, right, in our right? sector. Now, you recently, as I as I saw on Twitter, didn't you just teach a, a course related to it Micron? Did, yeah.
1: What yeah, was that did like? An AWS uh, a Micron training it was two weeks ago. Mm. Uh, Twelve hours actually, three hours, uh, so four days, three hours each day. Was fine actually i think we should probably uh, split it into two courses in the future because we have a lot of ground there to cover and mm. um, yeah it was nice it was um we have been doing this uh, like every couple of months we did a security one also in the beginning of the year and mm. um, i am normally involved in those as well like in training and and webinars um, yeah, I like to do those. Yeah.
0: Well, I've attended kind of. at least one of your webinars. I haven't been in one of the training classes, but I've been in uh, one or two of your webinars. Now, I know you've got. We're going to have to mention this, of course. We've got a. You have a, a training class, three day training class coming up. Not you personally, but OCI does with uh, the data science with Apache Groovy with, with the inimitable Paul King. You know. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's going to be incredible. That's uh. I have it on the show notes. It's, was it June 28th to 30th, and it's like four hours a day, each day. I haven't looked to see what time zone that is. I mean, he's in Australia, so I can't even imagine how they're how you're going to handle that. The,
1: the other day we had a, an internal team meeting, and he submitted uh, a recorded video <laughs> with uh, one of his talks. Uh, yeah, he's in. Especially uh, for me, he's like in the exactly the, the opposite of the world. Right. So yeah, sometimes he like connects in the middle of the of his night, uh, but yeah, he is like working a lot in Ruby and and doing some great things uh, for Ruby four. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, we had one of those. Um, the the great conf people occasionally have one of those Friday meetings, you know, where they just get people together, and and I was actually able to attend one. I think it was back in may perhaps or or april it was a little while ago and paul showed up which was like bizarre given that it was you know 1 a.m or 2 a.m wherever he was you know and he seemed fine and everything so i mean honestly if i could take that class i would do it i I unfortunately have conflicts Uh, but i mean if you get a chance to listen to you can talk about anything obviously you want to go so he's
1: also a really good teacher as well yes Yeah. yeah really for someone who knows so much, he's really able to, uh, to teach things really simple. So, yeah. Uh, no, if our... you are able to take the opportunity to attend, it's, it's a great opportunity. Right. And I am wearing also my GR Conf T-shirt. Uh, oh,
0: yes. Is, I see that with the... Um, the...
1: the Grubissimo. Uh, <laughs> Gruvissimo, yes.
0: The Masked uh, Avenger there, right?
1: <laughs> which was supposed to have been like 10 days ago normally i think it was always end of may 1st of june
0: well hopefully next year i mean this year the u.s is gradually emerging from the pandemic and our biggest problem right now are the people who are for stupid reasons not getting the vaccine you know uh but of course europe and and much has having much more trouble with that with distribution and and of course asia especially india is is being racked by it right yeah. now so all of our of course our, our sympathies go out to whoever is uh suffering under those circumstances how are things in spain by the way
1: uh, yeah absolutely as you said uh, uh, keep healthy everyone and uh, if you are having a hard time uh, stay strong uh, in spain We are like getting vaccinated people over 50 right now, I think. It depends from region to region. And hopefully, I will get vaccinated uh, before the end of the summer. Uh, That's my hope. On a personal level, I'm doing fine. So, been not going out much in the past one year and a half. Mm, right. So pretty much, uh, I mean, pretty quiet with uh, the kids and, and my wife, but uh, yeah, everyone fine in my family. My parents uh, got vaccinated uh, recently and also my, my ill laws as well. And my wife is a health worker, so she got vaccinated like early this year.
0: Mm, good, good
1: uh yeah I, I have been lucky enough that uh, everyone is fine here in spain we have a big uh, death toll and and the country is gonna take time, some time to recover but it seems like we are seeing the end of the tunnel now uh, wow. let's see how it goes and we got out of lockdown uh, last month and things are, I I think now with the summer and everything, like people are like, we are all quite tired of the situation.
0: Well, you know, I mean, it it worked, you know, we, we, it's kind of a miracle that we got these vaccines so quickly. Uh, For me, I was just, it was one of those few times in my life where being old actually was an advantage, you know. So I was able to get the vaccine relatively early. Ours came in in March, you know, for for my time frame, my my age group, and everything. And I'm still bugging my son to go get a second shot. So you know, it's it's that kind of silliness. But yeah, I mean, more to the point, you know, back in keeping with what we're talking about, uh, hopefully, Great Conf will be back better than ever. In 2022, presumably, I haven't heard anything, but I'm sure that that. Um...
1: Soren wrote me the other day in the chat, and I think he, I think he will do it. I think he, he will run the conference uh, next year, and I think that's great news. I will try to attend, uh, and I recommend everyone to attend because it's Copenhagen is. Well, the, really the nice question.
0: City. The question in my mind is Is Does Greece have any chance or is it way too early to know?
1: Uh, I don't know. So, yeah. my it. plan right now is um, uh, to be honest, I don't know if, if there will be a Greece next year and um, still undecided, but uh, uh, have to see how a couple of things um, play out, but uh, we'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's basically the only answer that anybody can give at this point. Right. I mean, there's still so much uncertainty as well. Uh, yes. Now, speaking of conferences, by the way, I did notice that you tweeted that you're going to be speaking at Apache Con at home in October. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, so it's a,
1: a virtual conference. Um, they are like also like a free tier. So if anyone wants to, attend, please uh, don't hesitate. Uh, I think Paul will be speaking as well. I think he's the chairman of the Groovy yeah, I'm, I'm track.
0: I'm actually going to be speaking as well. Uh, so I'd say I'd see you there, but of course it's online. So. Yeah,
1: we will see well, you virtually.
0: What's your topic, by the way?
1: So I'm going to be talking about um, building a static website with uh, Groovy and Gradle, um, which is something that I have been doing lately. Uh, so I built my personal website with uh, Groovy and Gradle and... Micro website, actually, and the Grace website, and uh, they have been built with Ruby uh, for a long time. Now, Micro website is built on WordPress, but we built a lot of the, so for example, the guides website is built with Ruby and mm-hmm. Gradle, and we do like, a, we actually, I am pretty proud of the work we have done there. We have like, a, a, so we have like automated the way we generate like these tutorials so that we are able to up- upgrade them in the next version of Micronaut without changing the code. And we leverage the infrastructure that we have basically to create new Micronaut projects, to basically update the tutorials. Uh, we have uh, been using a lot of Ruby to do that. For example, today I was, or yesterday we were like, um, so we are like, we had like quite slow build times because we were like running the test of all these sample applications. And we generate sample applications for Gradle, we generate sample applications for Maven. And we had like a, a, an hour build time. So oh, we wow. did yesterday. We changed yesterday. in. Uh, so you know Groovy really signs because you can like execute like a command and capture the process. So we did like a small snippet. We will basically execute like git diff to get like the difference of the files that you change from commit to commit. Mm-hmm. So, if now, uh, s- um, so you know, you can do like, uh, you can have like a string and call dot, dot execute in Ruby. Right. Uh, and you can basically say like wait for or, or kill and give like a timeout. And essentially, this basically allows you to like execute things outside of the JVM, right? Mm. Um, so, this has allowed us basically to know like, uh, okay, in this PR, we are only changing uh, this tutorial. So we basically ran all the tests for that particular tutorial. Um, and that was important for us because uh, essentially it was really frustrating. Like uh, if you like wanted to fix like a typo or something like that, you have to wait like for an hour to, to get that.
0: Uh... Are you using a framework or anything or is everything hand-rolled? So we
1: are basically using Gravel, uh, and, well... and, and and Groovy, a lot of Groovy classes inside build source folder. And uh, um, So we are essentially like custom Gradle task, mm, uh, okay. uh, yeah, I think I am, uh, I am still quite in love with Gradle, and I uh, think Gradle is awesome. Uh, so yeah, uh, well, back okay, to sure. your back to your original question, I will be talking about a static website generation with Ruby, mm. uh, and yeah, it will be in the context of uh, of my experience, which. Uh, uh yeah, I think it has a lot of value aesthetic websites because they never go down. So well, I,
0: I definitely want to hear about it because my website is hopelessly out of date. I, I really need to replace it with something new, and uh, I'd love to hear you know what you use there and, and see if I could take advantage of it. Uh, okay. yeah, I'm gonna be talking more about uh, I've got a, a talk I've done before on functional programming in both Java and Groovy and Kotlin and comparing them and there's the uh, over under for whoever was betting on the first mention of Kotlin in the podcast there there it is I guess but uh at any rate that's what I'm going to be doing and I, I'm sure Paul will be involved I haven't seen a list of talks or anything yet but I knew Paul was the, the head of the Groovy part of that so I'm sure that for, again for those who are interested that's September 21st to 23rd of this year. It is remote, it is all virtual. So there's a link in the show notes that'll take you to the website and you can register and go from there. Yeah. Are you doing anything else conference related or is that- about I've, it?
1: I've been quite, uh, I've been basically like not speaking a lot this year, uh, uh, part because I'm being lazy or, or doing other things but part I'm a bit down on the online conference thing. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, it's like a mixed feeling. Uh, uh. <laughs> so I, I see a lot of potential in in, in distribution of, of content online and in video, uh, but I see more like potential in on-demand and things like what you are doing in O'Reilly
0: mm.
1: with the on-demand training courses, but the conferences like... I am myself not like attending any conference, virtual conference, like for the whole, like, I don't know, I am not taking like two days of vacation and going in my couch and attending the the, the whole tracks as I right. would normally do when I go in a conference, right? And I think it's pretty much the same for everyone. Um, and for the speaker, it's a bit difficult because um, you get less out of the conference, right? Because you, you are like, don't do like all this networking that you normally do in conference when you speak uh, and also like um, I don't know, sometimes it feels like you talk to the vacuum there uh. um, but yeah mostly just trying to get survive this COVID situation so I am doing like less outside of uh, yeah, less less conference I have my, my plate full with other things
0: so. Oh, I understand. I mean, it it, it is uh, pluses and minuses. It's nice not to have to travel. It's You you lose a lot of the interaction. You lose a lot of interaction even with the attendees. That's the downside. But, you know, at any rate, hopefully that'll be uh, all that'll all change next year. You know, we'll yeah. see how things go this year when things are transitioning, but we'll see. Uh, since we got you here, let's talk about things that are more directly related to what you do. I mean, You want to talk about the the recent Micronaut releases both the 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 general availability and the milestone on three and what's coming with Micronaut and you also work with um with Grails too right
1: yeah I I do work less less in the Grails uh, open source project Uh, I have been supporting some clients with Grails in the past year like working in their projects but in like contributing to the to the open source parts of Grace, uh, I have been doing less. Uh, the heavy, the heavy weight there is Punith Vel, so he has been doing an awesome job there. Uh, and also, uh, like David Estes, uh, got really involved and has doing a a wonderful job there as well. And
0: I'm sorry, who did you say?
1: Uh, David Estes, I believe, is the creator of the asset pipeline, right? Brian mispronounce his name
0: i don't uh, think i know that person no Wait, who did you say again i, I did i miss David it again? Estes. oh David Estes. yeah i know the name i haven't met him specifically or if i have i'm probably forgetting and you know that could be very much uh, as well so he's also involved in the uh the foundation as
1: well. i think he is yeah i think like yeah, he's also right. like um so they are running like uh, so now it's like uh, Grails is being maintained by many people, not just uh, people from OCI. And it's right. wonderful to see the community uh, picking the baton there, and and they are doing great work. And other companies are getting involved as well with the foundation. Uh, I don't think that's official yet, but uh, yeah, I think that's great. That uh, yeah, that um, them as you know, there are many companies with us who have Grails applications in production. So, it's good to see that uh, they're involved in keeping the framework going forward. And
0: well, how about uh, the Micronaut stuff that you actually work on directly?
1: Yeah, in Micronaut, I am. Uh, so, we are working now heavily on Micro3. And, mm-hmm. and the micro team is growing, actually. We have some people here at OCI and some people in Oracle. And uh, so we have, uh, of course, Graham in Oracle, but also Bart, who is uh, really famous in the Groovy community. Okay. Uh, uh, so, Bart uh, Beckwith, the creator of the Grace Spring Security Core plugin and all these family of plugins, he's working in Micro as well in Oracle. And yeah, there are like um, a handful of programmers also in uh, full time in working in Micronaut in Oracle. And uh, so it's, uh, we do like a joint call with them and like. Every Tuesday and Thursday. So we are uh, coordinating both companies with the framework. Huh. Uh, forward, uh, in terms of what's uh, coming in Micron 3, uh, many things. Um, uh, for me, things that uh, end users will use a lot is probably like um, improvements in uh, generics injection. And let me give you, for example, um, an example that I did in a client project is like, uh, we had some functionality to import files into an application. And this particular client has like the, um, he needed to import like CSV files and he needed to import like Excel files and XML files. Uh, we had some common logic, but we have some uh, parsers which depend on the input file. Um, and we had like, a I don't know, like a parser who a beam which defines how to read like a line in Excel and a line in a row in CSV and like an XML uh, element. And, and now in micro three, you can like have like a generic uh, and basically inject depending on the beam, mm. the CSV implementation of that or the Excel implementation of that. So if you are like, um, yeah, if you are basically have like a, such a use case of generic and, Injection points, and you are like suffering a little bit, uh, and using like name qualifiers to work around that. Now, you should be able to use like um, to leverage basically Java generics to inject uh, the generic that you're looking for. Um, And uh, we are like uh, replacing the so that the default uh, reactive library that Micro 2 was using is RxJava 2. Uh, we're going to replace that uh, by a project reactor. Um, Oh, you
0: really are. Okay. Yep.
1: And I was actually today like uh, doing like a bunch of uh, flowable replacement with flux and things like that.
0: I mean, for those who don't know, I mean... uh, there's a specification for reactive streams. It's actually at reactive-streams.org. And that specification is adhered to by a variety of libraries, both in the Java space and in the JavaScript space. I mean, RxJS adheres to that. Uh, and in the Java space, while a lot of people were using Rx. J, uh, RX java and still are actually the spring people interestingly enough were heavily involved in project reactor and that's the one they use under the hood and even though there are adapters that connect project reactor to these other libraries that uh, still adhere to the spec it's kind of nice to see that micronaut is now using the the project reactor library under the hood i mean these in, these interfaces publisher subscriber subscription they're all they're even in java now they're in java 9 but it's you, nobody would want to implement those interfaces yourself. You'd want to use a real library. And, and Project Reactor is certainly one of the leading ones. Was there a reason why they decided to switch to that one?
1: Yeah, so I think the main reason is because Brave Reactor, I believe, is going to give us like a, an easier, uh, easier to work around in, instrumentation. Uh, okay. So we have some specific features that uh, we like to have like some custom code to deal with instrumentation. RxJava 2, uh, which hopefully the live will be shared using Project Reactor. Um, uh, just to be clear, uh, people are gonna are still gonna be able to use RxJava. So yeah. right now we support also Project Reactor. So we have like a dependency that you can add into your project and already use the Micro 2 uh, Project Reactor uh, and also RxJava 3 as well. Right. Uh, so we support all three uh, reactive implementations. But uh, internally, we are gonna switch to that, and uh, you will see like uh, a lot of our documentation will change to by to default to use like in examples where we were like I don't know like a controller written in a, a single you will see like a controller written in a mono now. Uh, but that's a, a big user facing change that's coming in mycon Three. Uh, we are also like um, gonna be using the uh, the Jakarta notations as well um in theory I, I think uh, users so right now to define like an injection you use like Java X inject dot inject inject right uh, you will be using the Jakarta notation uh, instead um that's the CDI
0: uh, spec or whatever that context yeah. dependency injection yeah add inject they call it or whatever
1: yeah so it's um, uh, that's more like I don't think it's going to change anything for users. It's yeah, just right, a matter right. of... Uh, but that's coming. Uh, and of course, one of the things that we have been... Uh, so micro3 will still support Java 8, uh, So that's like... Um, we are going to commit uh, another major version to support Java 8. So if you are like using Java 8, uh, micro3 will have you covered there. Okay. Uh, so that means for me that I will be living with Java 8 this might be for jdk for another year
0: well that that does bring up an interesting point i mean it's not not just related to micronaut just related to the whole groovy community the you know the current long-term support version of java according to oracle is 11 and this seems to be the year when much of the industry is transitioning from 8 to 11. i mean i think the oracle people expected it to happen last year and then the pandemic hit and all the plans got thrown into chaos. But the, of course, the real issue is, is that in September, the version 17 comes out and that's a new long-term support version. I mean, as far as Oracle's concerned, they'll want everybody to move to 17 and you know, at 17, does doesn't look like it's going to have anything that dramatic in it that's going to change people's lives, but it might because they're finally going to get rid of that that illegal access flag, you know, equaling worn, which Gradle has kind of lived on for a while and Groovy's lived on and everything. And now that's going to become an error, you know, that, or supposedly. I, I haven't seen the details. Now, the one ramification of that may be that people won't upgrade, you know, like, you know, if they don't like a particular version, they're not going to upgrade. But uh, I will be interested in seeing what happens in the community as Java 11 becomes more dominant and then ultimately, you know, Java 17 becomes the, the long-term support version. But you're saying you're going to be locked into 8 for a while now, huh?
1: So, yeah, basically the way I have configured my ID is like uh, I build with JDK 11, but I have like this, you know, in I use IntelliJ IDEA for development and, you know, they, they right. you can have like... Uh, Code with Java 8 uh, idioms so that they warn you if you are like trying to use, I don't know, it's optional, it's empty. So, you know, like you can like uh, code with JDK 11, but basically you are like telling IntelliJ, like, uh, I want my code to be still Java 8 compatible. uh, Mm -hmm. And they will warn you if you try like to use something that is not uh, uh, JDK. So, the way I see it is more pragmatic. So, uh, I think this is uh, if you go to cloud vendors now, uh, to AWS or things like that, uh, they all have like JDK 11 runtimes. Right. So if you are have like a like a new project and um, for my pet projects, I I code in JDK 11. Uh, once a new a stable release of Java it comes this autumn, uh, I think the cloud vendors will take a couple of months to adopt it, and it, as soon as you are able to deploy like to AWS, to Azure, right. like. Or to GCP like uh, your fat jars with uh, uh, Java 17 uh, JDK, then I think is that will be like uh, I think that that's to be honest is like uh, it's not just to, to run the latest stable version of Java in your laptop, right? You have to deploy it somewhere. So right, once right. the cloud vendors starts to adopt it, that's when when people start to move. So I see like many people are like. So I don't see anyone like starting new projects now using JDK 8, right? So right. it's just people that are, for whatever reason, locked into using JDK 8. And- yeah, Brian,
0: Brian Getz has, has spoken about this fairly recently and and he's like objects to the notion that like JDK 16 or 15 or any of those, that they're not legitimate Java distributions. Of course they are. It's just that for deployment purposes, many companies don't want to upgrade their deployment environments every six months. So we have to wait until the, as you say, like, Amazon Coretta or, or, uh, well, Azure's got one now too, you know, that Microsoft has their own open JDK build. Uh, When they implement these later versions, then, of course, that will change, uh, change things. So Uh, Yeah, uh, another thing, by the way, that ties into the Gradle stuff. I mean, you have mentioned Gradle a lot. I've been working with Gradle 7 for a while now. And one of the nice things in Gradle 7 is that toolchain support that you can actually specify in the Gradle build file which JDK version you want, and it will look on your machine in all the normal places to see if you already have that version. And if you don't, I think it even offers to download it for you. I mean, IntelliJ's had a capability like that for a while, but for Gradle, for a build tool to offer that, that's, that I find pretty interesting myself.
1: I haven't used it myself. Uh, I know the feature that you, so we have all the micro builds, uh, huh. so our internal builds to basically build all the modules and releases. Mm. We are we use Gradle and we are already using Gradle seven zero two, so we are uh, which on is the, the Gradle, current one, by the way. Which is the the latest stable. Yeah. Um, and I ha- I don't use that. So the, what I have in my computer is I have SDKMan uh, right. and I have like a bunch of uh, so I run in a Mac. So I have a bunch of there's like a program called Text Expander, which is basically like to have like shortcuts which get replaced so i have like shortcuts to basically change in my terminal windows right from jdk jdk 11 i have one for and- um, yeah i
0: just set up some aliases in the in yeah, the exactly. shell script to the switch and yeah a shout out to sdk man of course everybody should be supporting sdk man we have a a link on the to the open collective uh support mechanism for both friends of apache groovy of course but also sdk man which totally rules but i'm sorry go ahead you were saying
1: no, no, absolutely. I, SDK Man is uh, one of these open source tools that uh, which everyone should support. Hmm. I use daily, uh, and uh, the ability, for example, to use like uh, the Gradle uh, JDK hmm. uh, is so simple with SDK Man that uh, right. that really rocks. Um, well,
0: uh, it's it's interesting how you know the changes from. The changes in Java 8 were enormous. I mean, the addition of the functional features to Java changed the idioms of how people code Java. Now, those of us in the Groovy community were already familiar with lambdas effectively and and things like method references and stuff. Uh, It wasn't until Groovy 3 came out that they supported the Java syntax for those things, but Groovy's had capabilities like that. They just didn't have streams directly the same way Java had it. But the changes from eight to 11 were not really that dramatic. It's only in the last two or three versions of Java when they put in like the enhanced switch statement and text blocks for the multi-line strings and, and the beginnings of pattern matching and things like that. But now they're starting to really add some interesting things to Java. I think Java 17, I think is scheduled to have a release version of sealed classes as well which may be the first major feature of Java I've seen that doesn't actually have a corresponding feature in Groovy, I mean, Groovy still has many things Java doesn't have, like traits and stuff, but th- there are no sealed classes, as far as I'm aware of, in Groovy.
1: SEAL classes will work like data classes in Kotlin?
0: Well, no. Uh, the, the data class analogy is records. So that's what they have in Java. Records were actually released in 16. And the problem with records, in my opinion, again, this is all my opinion, is that because they changed how the constructors work, like there's no default constructor and there's no getter methods in the normal mechanism and they're all final and immutable, the JSON parsers, the JavaScript object notation parsers, they most of them don't work well with records. I mean, right yeah. now... Uh, I think it's Jackson too, does understand them. And that means the Spring Framework understands them. But JSON doesn't, Moshi doesn't, many of those others. So we'll see whether that changes. I'm also not sure whether immutable objects like that play nicely with Java persistence API. I mean, Grails of course has um, GORM in it and Micronaut can use GORM as well. But how nicely? I mean, those have always played nicely with Groovy Pogos. I'm not sure how well they play with records. You know, in Groovy, we don't necessarily need records, but the, the final nature of them makes them not necessarily suitable for JPA in general. So we'll see how that goes too. But I am waiting to see, you know, whether we get to use a lot of these new features and what impact they will have on the Groovy community as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, there is like a lot of the industry seems to be like, we are now like all languages. Seems to be going to these immutable classes everywhere, right?
0: Well, it it plays nicely with concurrency. You know, I mean, it's so much easier to reason about concurrency if your objects don't have any shared mutable state. And streams has, as one of their big selling points, that you can move to parallel streams. And then now you're talking about avoiding shared mutable state. And functional programming has, as one of its recommendations, you know, going with immutability wherever possible. But unfortunately, there's a history here and there's a lot of things in Java that kind of need some mutability. And like these JSON parsers, like JPA, for example, you know, Kotlin data classes are not a natural blend with uh, JPA either. You, know, it, it, there, you have to go through some contortions to make everything work nicely there. So we'll see how all that plays out eventually um, let's let's see, what else do we have that we wanted to make sure we cover just to keep things moving along? Uh, the Groovy stuff, Groovy is still on 3.0.8, but there was an alpha release of Groovy 4. I have no idea what the schedule's like for that. I imagine we'll find out more at ApacheCon on everything. But one of the changes in Gradle 7, as I recall, was they moved to Groovy 3. That's another thing I think that happened with Spock 2, which we wanted to talk about the Spock 2 release, in addition to being based on JUnit 5, which is, a, in my opinion, again, a huge improvement over JUnit 4. I mean, I really like JUnit 5. Um, I still like Spock better, <laughs> you know. But at any rate, not only are they based on JUnit 5, they're also based on Groovy 3 as well, with all the additional features there. Is, have you played it all with Spock 2, by the way, just out of curiosity? Yeah, we, we
1: so Minecraft is tested with Groovy 3 and Spock. Mm. So I write like a Spock to code every day. And we have been like using the, the Spock milestones like uh, yeah. since the beginning.
0: Which uh, has been a while. And I yeah. haven't noticed, there's no, from my experience, I haven't noticed a lot of user changes. You know what I mean? It, it really has just been a question of changing my dependencies to make sure I have the right things in the, in the class path. But just writing Spock tests has been pretty much the same. Although apparently now, uh, what is it that um, Unroll is already built in now for data data tests? Uh,
1: I don't know about the changes in Unroll. I, I know they have made some improvements to parallelization, which I haven't yes. tested yet. So the right. big feature I think it is that you can, uh, which should be a huge feature, is that you can parallelize tests uh, directly in Spock. Now you can do that
0: with Gradle too. I mean, I've been using that with Gradle for a long time, but to do it in Spock, that'll be very nice.
1: Yeah. So I think that will work in combination with Gradle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I have not used that myself either. Um, what yeah. I have been seeing is that Groovy 3 is more like a strict in terms of a compilation, right?
0: More, more like uh, what?
1: More strict. So, oh, like, strict. Uh, oh, okay. So, that's something that I I, I noticed, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. Uh, so, um, so for example, I, I, I spend my days writing code in Java and testing Ruby. Mm. Uh, so, And I use less things such as the dev keywords and things like that Yeah, right, in, right. in my day-to-day. So... I I think it's nice. I think it's like uh, Groovy going a little bit with the times and becoming a more strict language. Uh, sometimes it's not a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. One of the so just to get back to what you were saying, like uh, about JUnit unit improvements and just to prefer Spock. So we write these tutorials in Microt called Microt guides and we write them in both three languages. Uh, right. Kotlin, Java, and, and Groovy, and uh, we write the test for Kotlin in JUnit with Kotlin and the Java test in, in JUnit with Java, uh, right. and the Groovy test will write them in Spock. Right. And uh, it is true that JUnit, is, JUnit 5 is a huge improvement if you are coming from JUnit 4. Oh, yeah. But I still prefer uh, Spock uh, personally. The only whenever we I say, so for example the other day I was writing like this uh, the equivalent of a, a parameterized test with unroll right. and wearing in Spock in the SPOC. uh, unit five you have like this thing where you define like a provider with right. arguments uh, I think you have to uh, to like include the JUnit unit parameters dependencies and it's pretty similar to the Spock thing right right but I don't know I I think it's a combination of not just the Spock, but also like the fact that when you are using Spock, you are using Groovy. So I think especially right. for tests, I think it's like in tests sometimes it's nice to have less verbosity, right? right? So I think it's the combination of both, uh, but I, uh, so I live in the, uh, in, in, I live this dual life where I write the unit and Spock like daily and I still prefer uh, Spock. So.
0: Oh yeah, I mean the the JUnit 5 parameterized tests are a huge improvement over what they had at JUnit 4. It's really nice to be able to specify like getting your your test data from a method, you know, and or you from an enum or anything like that. But they still don't rival the the nice data table tests inside of of Spock and of course the fact that you're writing in Java means it's inherently going to be more verbose than what you're going to get in groovy. And of course, uh, groovy also, I'm sorry, uh, Spock, I should say, also has a mocking framework built right in, which, you know, the, the Java people are still working with Mikito. And while that's fine, I mean, you know, Spock already has one there. And, and that's got to be helpful, just regardless of how you feel about mocking frameworks in general, you know, so I'm really hoping that that, gets rapid adoption. I, I don't know. I don't know the people who work with that right now that much, but you know, maybe at some point we should have somebody in the, the Spock community uh, talk on the podcast or something like that. Yeah,
1: that would be great. Um, yeah. So now, yeah, are so there...
0: Oh, sorry, go, go ahead. You were going to say?
1: So I was going to say like uh, another seamless plug of Micronaut, but uh, what I'm seeing with Micronaut is that I write less unit tests now that they used to write. Um, so when I was working with Spring Boot or with Grails, mm. I was writing much more unit tests than functional tests. With micro I, I do it the, way, the other way around. We write mostly like functional tests eh, because starting the application context or the embedded server is really, really fast. Mm. And I see the necessity to... And the way I mock things is instead of like creating like a uh a, a real mock with the spoke mock what I do is I create like a a class a static class in the test case mm-hmm. which basically replaces the 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 it basically creates another bin of that particular interface and that's the way I am mocking nowadays with my code mostly so yeah. instead of using like a like a mock what I do is I create like a real implementation of the interface. And so yeah, I think that's-
0: You make going... your own dummies, which I mean, yeah. fine if there's not too many methods and if you own the class, you know. Uh, with the spring people, of course, you have mock bean, which lets you replace something in the application context. I'm sure Microsoft or Micronaut rather has something analogous to that. But uh, I mean, again, it's you, the assumption there is that you have control over that. It, the rapid startup time of Micronaut, which is, you know, I think that's wonderful. That obviously makes functional testing much more uh, easy to, to manage and much more useful, much more robust there as well.
1: Yeah, I think I have the feeling that we have been telling ourselves this lie that we have to write more unit tests than functional tests. And that was basically just because, well, unit tests were fast. But yes. at the end of the day, the value, there is, of course, value in the unit test. But the real value, I think, is in the functional test.
0: Well, Martin Fowler recently wrote a blog post about this. I mean, he emerges every once in a while to throw out one of these deep blog posts. And and it's about the distribution between... Uh, unit tests, in whatever you call integration tests and functional tests. And he made the point that what people call unit tests now is not what the original developers of unit tests meant. They didn't necessarily mean a class in isolation with everything else mocked. They meant a single unit of set of classes operated together, which we often lump now into integration testing ideas yeah. there. And, you know, then there's this, is it a pyramid or is it more of a, a, of an oval you know it it, you know the wars have been started over less you know (laughs) all i know is that if it's not at least tested i don't know that i believe it and certainly that's true about my own code now obviously functional testing is great as long as it can happen very quickly and that if something goes wrong it's easy enough to determine where and why you know i mean that's the nice advantage the other advantage of unit tests is you can you know exactly where the problem is but, you know, again, a lot of people have their own style on this, and, and they can distribute it. And I, I just happen to like what Spock brings to the table on all of that. And, and you could use Spock for your integration tests as well, as you, as you say, or functional tests, if you want to use that term.
1: No, no, absolutely. So we use Spock for, for everything. And I, I, and I still sometimes use a stab and a mock with Spock, right? It's sure. not that I, I never use those, but... Um,
0: oh, I'm not yeah, saying it's, it's a bad thing, just uh, Interesting.
1: Yeah. So what I'm seeing is like, um, yeah, that's some, somehow the is changing a little bit. Like now you can like write tests in a kind of a different style, which is good. Mm. I think is.
0: Yes. Now, by the as way, as long yes. as you have tests. Oh yeah, you got to have something, or you know, how do you know? Now, another thing related to Spock that I have in the show notes, we should mention. Uh, Trisha G has done a lot of work putting together a nice Spock tutorial for IntelliJ. And it's like a multi-part tutorial. And then there's a corresponding YouTube video where she basically does the whole thing live. Uh, So both of those are linked. And if you're interested in any of that, that's fine. As long as we're talking about testing as well, there was a a comment. I saw this. I haven't actually looked into it. Uh, Jeb, the good old Jeb project which is used for functional testing, you know, for, or what they call browser automation, you know, for driving a browser. That apparently there was a tweet about Jeb support inside IntelliJ as being part of the Selenium page generation or whatever. And I'm like, really? You know, because you just don't hear that much out of Jeb these days, but hopefully that's still... Uh, that page model and everything is still very uh, applicable and usable. Do you ever get to play with JAB at all? static out curiosity? I do, I
1: do, right? Uh, I use JEP. Uh, uh, I still... I am kind of... Uh, let me see how I put this. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't sound too old. Uh, so I like uh, backends which generate HTML on the server side still.
0: Oh, uh, Okay.
1: So, I am. uh, So, there has been in the past like a couple of cool open source projects, such as there is one project called Turbo, uh, which we can include a link in the show notes, which basically gives you like some capabilities to uh, generate HTML on the server side and essentially only fetch the parts of the DOM that you want and replace. So, the idea is that I this is a bit of a regression of the JEP question, but
0: Whatever.
1: I'll stop it at whatever point. Now take so, it however you like. <laughs> so the uh, JavaScript is good. And I, I'm, I'm not saying JavaScript is bad. But I think we have gone, the pendulum has gone too much. It's way too much on the JavaScript side. And we are trying to do things, everything on the JavaScript side, ah. which I necessarily don't think is um, necessarily the, the best approach. For many companies, I think for many companies uh, having like uh, damn dummy backends were just basically uh, uh, basically like uh, split uh, information from the database and then have security constraints on the back end, security constraints on the front end, right? Recreating uh, some views because we have to create like some objects to be rendered as JSON on the back end. Then those objects are received on the front end. They have to be uh, inflated and then they have to build basically HTML parts of the page. I think that's, I don't think that's the best option for many companies, Mm. uh, which I am probably on the minority of of this opinion. I think this is great for many big companies, but you have like huge developer teams and they can have like a a big development team on the uh, front end and a big development team on the back end. Um, but that's—I don't think that's necessarily the case for many small companies. Um, basically, my point is uh, regarding Jep. Is I still use Jep a lot because uh, I like to generate like HTML on the server side a lot, mm. and when you have it uh, directly there, uh, integrated on your test that you generate the test and you can test it and. And I think that works wonders. Uh, I see that Marcin has some milestone of JEP
0: 5. Mm, to be
1: honest, I don't know what's coming on Jeb 5. No, I don't either. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I use it every, not every day, but I use it in, in all my pet projects where I have like um, server side HTML. Uh, and we have used it for clients. Uh, I have used it with Micron as well. Uh, um, if anyone, what so if anyone is generating server side html or needs like uh so if you are like a java developer and you work to work with selenium i will right. say check up jeb because you will be really happy
0: right i mean jeb is a a wonderful dsl and and page model on top of selenium or i guess web driver is the the later thing there but you're right it's for browser automation and of course the industry went away from a lot of browser automation when they adopted RESTful web services everywhere. I tend to think of that as associated with like the rise of mobile devices. Because on a mobile device, you really want an app. You don't really want to use your mobile browser for everything. And even though some people do, apps of course have their own UI. You know, the, the UI in an Android app, the UI on, a, on an iOS app, that's not asking for Page generation on the back end—that's just asking for JSON data that they'll then they'll render, or parse, or whatever. Uh, so it's a combination of the rise of the JavaScript MVC frameworks like like Vue and React and things like that, along with the rise of mobile and you know, and it also REST tends to fit nicely with the cloud computing environments, especially when you get stateless services on the back end. I mean, I can see where it all went, but you're right—if you're still generating browser views. Then JavaScript is not necessarily the way to go. You don't just set up a node server in the back end. Sooner or later, you have to do a transaction, you know? So I think some pa-
1: there is some part of the people who are like uh, creating like front ends with JavaScript. And when they are writing like functional tests, I think they are using things like uh, Cypress. Uh, mm-hmm. So there are like tools to write the same test that we will write in Jeb, right? They will write them with Cypress, which I believe is JavaScript, mm-hmm. right? So, I understand the appeal, right? You, yeah, write, right. you are like a front end developer who is comfortable with uh, JavaScript and you want to write the, the front end test with the same technology. So, I think in the past, the people on the back end, such as myself, uh, we were like writing, we were like creating more front ends as well. And we were comfortable writing functional tests using Selenium, right? And using things such as JEP or at the end of the day, Groovy or Java, right? So I think there is some part of, I think this Selenium part uh, of the JVM ecosystem is, I don't know if they have less traction, but I think they have, I think some of the testing is going. Is moving to the javascript world because the front end code is being written there right
0: well the, the, yeah the argument being that if you know you can in fact drive in a nail with a wrench but is that the right tool to do it you know that that's the idea but i get that i mean uh the other thing of course the other pendulum that swings back and forth is something i see in the android world a lot which is the move to a component-based architecture you know and java's had experiments with that over the years. One of the more infamous ones being Java Server Faces, you know, where your 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 whole front end was built in Java, really, even though it, it took some doing. And of course, the Android people now moving to Jetpack Compose and all these components, they're trying to do something similar and trying to get all the same advantages out of it. And we'll see, you know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. I don't know, uh, but it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, let's before we go. Uh, just want to see if there's a couple last things we want to talk about i don't want this to go too long that's all uh for example i noticed uh one of the particularly silly things that apparently we missed during before the after since the last podcast was that grail's mascot now has a name apparently right if I have it, yeah. <laughs> did you uh were you involved in any of that i mean that was a, a contest or something
1: uh, there was a contest. I was not particularly involved, but uh, yeah. yeah, I was aware of the contest.
0: Uh, so do you remember the name here? I mean, I've got the page brought up and everything.
1: Don't put me on the spot.
0: No, no, no. Uh, yeah, it, it, it looks like a knight, and it's now Sir Gideon of Gray. Yes, exactly. yes, exactly. Yes, with a page that says, hello, world, and everything. It doesn't, uh, it's got a list of winners there. Uh, boy, I'll probably mess up the names if I mention them. So I'll just say, check out the link if you're interested so that that was done back in March, and okay, uh, good. Grails that has a mascot, and the mascot now has a name. You know that's good. That's yeah. why I was always happy with um, uh, with your uh newsletter having a, or actually our, our little uh, octopus here, right? Having yeah. a name eventually. Remember that. <laughs> the newsletter, I remember the newsletter. Uh, so, <laughs> remember yeah. the name you came up for that one, right? It
1: was Ursula, no?
0: Ursula, right. Yeah. The, the squid there, the octopus or whatever the heck it was. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was. Uh, the newsletter is a bit uh, on, on standby.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I understand that. I have a newsletter that, you know, the Groovy Calamari uh, newsletter, of course, for those who are not aware. Um, I mean, I put out a newsletter every week, so I could give you a hard time about that. Have you noticed that I don't, by the way, that I don't give you a hard time when you don't put out podcasts or or youtube i just mentioned this in passing let's we'll
1: just move on it's really nice to be on so i thought you were changing the format of the podcast to be like a yearly podcast with only one episode per year (laughs) and i was surprised when when you told me like to join you today because yeah i I asked
0: for that yeah I, i asked for that very good very good uh another Speaking of Android, by the way, I couldn't believe somebody did this. So I had to add it to the show notes. Did you see somebody made an Android Groovy shell? You actually can open up Groovy SH on an Android device.
1: Yeah, I didn't (laughs) know that.
0: Little mechanism. I have not tried it. I linked to the user manual. I'm scared, you know, but I, I'm gonna have to try that because just the idea of doing a groovy shell on an Android device just is just too funny you know not to include in there. Uh, there was one other thing I want to mention. we got a poll request on the on the show notes from last month or our last episode, which I missed unfortunately. Uh, so I added it to this one. It's um let me refresh here. The author is uh, Marchine, okay, let me try this. Uh, Zayakowski, I think it is Zajacowski. I, yeah. I it, uh, I'm probably getting it wrong. At any rate, he pu- he created what they called a a Gradle Nexus published plugin, and this was done as a way to release the Maven Central, especially as you know JCenter was going away. Now, since that came out. The people at JFrog have announced that J Center is going to be around indefinitely. It's just not accepting anything new. So they will still be a place you can have in your downloads. But I've noticed that in IntelliJ, when you open a Gradle build file, J Center as a method, you know, inside the repositories is now deprecated. It actually has a line through it saying, don't do this. And that happens on Android apps as well, saying, you know, don't use that. Use Maven Central from now on. So we'll see yeah
1: uh, punit uh, wrote a blog post as well uh, showing how to publish the grace plugin to maven central
0: oh i do remember that right and i
1: have been doing myself some uh, publishing to maven central uh, as well uh, so the, the people uh, in the grace project have done a great uh, job to basically have uh, 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 the fewest impact uh, to grace as possible of the Jcenter um, changes. Uh, but, we, so had we, a, we had one issue this week with uh, the repo.grace, which is an artifactory that uh, Jfrog hosts for the Grace framework. Uh, the URL yeah. changed and- Oh, right. Uh, so there is a GitHub issue. So if you have uh, issues resolving that repository, Oh. uh check out the uh, grails uh, on so github uh, github.com slash grace slash Grace if you want to uh, check out the issues if i will add, add i will add a, a link in the blog post um, cool okay uh, but yeah the the jcenter changes uh, were a surprise and a lot of work for open
0: source um i mean we can give baroque a little bit of a hard time for not being here but i don't know if i want to Blame him for everything going on. With
1: I don't. I don't want to blame him for anything because,
0: uh... <laughs> Well, don't worry. The odds of him actually listening to this podcast are very small. So you know, he's never going to know. So you know, we'll, maybe we'll bring it up on the next one or something like that. I think that's everything that I listed. We'll add that extra blog post from Puneet, of course, in there when you get a you know, as soon as we get a chance. Is there anything else? Uh, I guess I should mention. Um, I keep forgetting to do this. I actually have a new book coming out. Uh, My book is not a technical book, which is part of the reason I keep forgetting to mention it. I have been giving presentations for years called Managing Your Manager. And when I started to turn that into book form for Pragmatic Programmers for the Pragmatic Bookshelf, uh, they did their search engine optimization and their Amazon discoverability stuff, all that black magic and said, no, you can't use that name. And now the name of the book is called Help Your Boss Help You, which is nowhere near as good. I, I can actually watch people talk themselves into it over time say, <laughs> like, well, I guess that's all right. Uh, okay. But that's the name of the book. It went to the publication process, well, Monday of this week. So expect the, I mean, the, the text is complete. You can get it as a beta. The ebook will be released probably next month, I'm guessing. And then the print to follow, however long it takes print to follow, you know. Uh, and you're welcome to, to to have that in there. I could not, I mean, as much as I felt obligated to mention it, I just couldn't bring myself to put a link on the show notes for it. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, but it's called Help Your Boss Help You. It's at Pragmatic Programmers. Uh, that's what I've been spending. That's my pandemic book, if you will. That's what I've been spending a lot of my pandemic time on. Uh, Is
1: there anything I you want to the... mention? Yeah, I, was, I just wanted to say that I saw the... Um the video uh, so you used to have uh, content related to manage your boss as video content in o'reilly mm. i i watched that and it was great so i think oh. the, book, the book will be will be good for
0: sure i was really uh, holding my breath when you said that i had no idea which way you were going to go on <laughs> no that was good i, I enjoyed it
1: <laughs> i enjoyed it uh, so i am uh, yeah absolutely you should include a link in the in the show notes. Um, oh, well,
0: maybe I will then. Is there anything you want to mention? Anything coming up for you or o- now, OCI is still hiring, right? Is that you want to mention that or is there anything else? Yeah, we to- are.
1: So if you are, um, we are more or less always hiring. So if you are interested in Grace or Micronaut, uh, reach out and uh, I can get you connected. Um, i if you are uh, if you speak spanish i am doing like a bi-weekly podcast uh, in spanish uh, which actually we have been releasing uh, during all this year uh, once every two weeks every friday and but it's in spanish um, and and i am blogging more on my website so sergiodelamo.com i am blogging more uh, and i am writing a lot of micro tutorials and that's pretty much everything i can plug and well we'll have to
0: we'll have to put a link in there somewhere because the only link i added at the bottom for you was was object computing but if you want to put in your actual homepage, that'd probably be very helpful you know just just add that at the bottom as well um i think that's everything i'm trying to remember oh we should thank no Fluff, Just off the, the conference tour for, for hosting the, the homepage for the Groovy podcast. Uh, everything should eventually be there. If it's not, I'll have to bug the people there to update it. Otherwise, uh, my plan will be to convert all this and upload it as a podcast and, and also the audio form uh, today. So, you know, if you have any other suggestions or comments or anybody who's listening has suggestions or comments or things they want to add uh please feel free to contact us at uh, the twitter feed the at groovy podcast twitter feed or at either of us uh directly or or harass baruch because i mean there's no downside there you know feel feel free to give him a hard time about whatever you know uh that sounds fine so again, I want to thank you very much for taking the time, you know, to 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 be on the podcast. And you know, it's it's always better to have someone, you know, harassing you from inside than from outside, right? Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice to, thanks for inviting me. It Was a pleasure, <laughs> and looking forward to the next episode in 2022.
0: And uh, I'm looking forward to the to the groovy calamari at some point too. <laughs> at be, some <laughs> point in the
1: future.
0: <laughs> no, we'll see what we can do. Okay. Well. Yeah. uh, Thank you uh, very much. Uh, Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you uh, soon, hopefully. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Thank you.